There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at Chapter 3 of New Moon, titled The End. Ooh, guys, this chapter's not fun. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a terrible chapter. I mean, they're all terrible, but this one, like, it, it sort of hits hard with the whole Bella Edward breaking up thing and her spiraling into a depression. It's really rough. So I thought we would start the episode with something to sort of bring the mood up a bit. It's a deep dive into <laughs> Mike Newton's OnlyFans. So I mentioned last episode that Mike Newton had an OnlyFans. And like, of course, not the character. The actor's name is Michael Welch. So still Mike, which I think bodes well for his personal brand, because really what else is he known for? So I was, I was intrigued. I think some of you were intrigued. So I thought, let's do a deep dive here. So I went onto his OnlyFans and it's $8.75 per month. And straight away from his little bio, I'm getting red flags here because I'm thinking he's not showing shit all. He says, welcome, I'm Mike, Twilight, Z Nation, Star Trek, Joan of Arcadia, Lifetime, yada, yada. Enjoy my um, exclusive lifestyle content. And that's in a quote mark. Lifestyle content. Uh, it's just shirtless pics, I'm pretty sure. And he says, new post every weekday. And then in brackets, not doing full frontal right now. What? You're going to have an OnlyFans and not do full frontal? I mean, full frontal. Maybe he's doing full backal. We might be seeing some butt. If someone's subscribed, please reach out and let me know. Does he show bum? That's that's what I want to know. And he says, message response every weekday night. So I think that's where the true value is. If you message him, he'll respond. And that's interesting. And he says, PPV videos, which I think just means he's taken a video of maybe a boner in undies. That's probably as far as it goes. And outfit sales. So what he's doing is... He's, I guess, taking photos in his undies and then selling those undies. He says outfit, but I mean, no one's buying up a button up blouse. They're, they're buying underwear. Maybe the foot fetish people are buying socks. Uh, I, don't, I don't really know what his audience is like. He also has, and this is italicized. So it says very limited personalized pics and vids. So maybe like the highest bidder can get him to to do like a cameo style video where he's, he's saying their name or something. But he says, if you're having half as much fun as I am, congrats on the time of your life. 
I don't take your money or time for granted and I will do my best to produce a quality product, continue evolving and keep you fine folks entertained. Stay safe, be well, enjoy yourself and thanks for being here. Okay, but but what are you showing us, bud? And now just scrolling on his OnlyFans, you see the caption of the post, but you don't see the image. And one of them, it's who keeps filming my showers with the little face plan emoji. So maybe it's a video of him in the shower or, or probably just a photo. I think it's just a photo. It's got 73 likes. So his fans liked it. He's got some fans. That's, that's good. Good for him. But then this post on April 13th, he just says, well, kids, I had a hell of an eating weekend. And he just talks about, I don't know, like his diet and, and wanting motivation and accountability buddies for, for his diet. I mean, no one's signing up for that, are they? Oh, but then the next one, April 12th, he did an underwear workout and that one got 72 likes. So I think he's working out in his undies and doing a photo shoot. Oh, and then there was another item up for bid and it's a comfy little red meshy situation. So maybe mesh undies, maybe mesh undies, who knows? And so I'm just scrolling through all his posts and he did do a big one um, on April 7th. And it says, hey guys, and then in brackets and gals. So I'm assuming most of his customers are boys. I appreciate your time and support as I'm figuring this out and changing my policy all the time. And so this is when he's announcing that because of his own comfort levels, he's not doing private video messages, which I think means beating off and talking to someone directly on camera. He says, because, you know, something will leak. There's no way around it. And that would be embarrassing for my family. And so he says he's still going to post every weekday. And as he gets more confident with his body, the post should continue to get juicier over time. Although sticking with the no full frontal policy. And then he signs off saying, love, peace and gratitude. And but dot, dot, dot. So it's butt pics. Okay. I think I've spoken long enough about (laughs) Michael Welch's OnlyFans. He's posting butt pics and maybe undie pics and he's still in those undies and good for him. I've always said justice for Mike Newton, hashtag justice for Mike. I I probably didn't need to spend five whole minutes recapping his OnlyFans. I should probably get into the book now. But since I've spent all this time plugging his OnlyFans, I should at least plug my Patreon, which is much cheaper. And you get a bonus episode every week. No butt pics though. Oh, and we did just add some more merch to um, my website. So if you go to breakingdownbadbooks.com slash shop, we now have How You Like in the Rain Girl (laughs) mugs and t-shirts and (laughs) phone cases and tote bags. It's dumb. It's dumb. I'm aware that it's dumb. Anyway, (laughs) what was I talking about? Let's get into New Moon. It's going to be a dreadful chapter. Let's do it. So chapter three, the end. So it's basically just Bella waking up saying that she didn't sleep well because, you know, she's got a sore arm from the incident. And she wakes up and Edward gives her a kiss because he stayed the night. And then he leaves out the window. And I just find it so weird that he sleeps over when he doesn't fall asleep. So she's pretty much just saying that for eight hours each night, he's just just lying around, staring at her, which seems very codependent. And quite frankly, really boring for Edward. Can he bring a book? Can he bring a pair of headphones and maybe knock out a few podcasts? What's he doing for all that time? That's so much time wasted. But her whole point is that she's anxious because his face seems wrong. And when he meets her at school, his face is still wrong. There's something behind his eyes that scares her. And yeah, it's very awkward. There's lots of walking in silence. And like, I know Edward's feeling guilty over the party and and Jasper going nuts. 
And maybe, yeah, for throwing her into the crystal plates, that's on Edward. But you know what? You don't have to be giving your girlfriend the cold shoulder. That seems just cruel. And she says Edward remained aloof. But I don't know if I'd call it aloof. I'd call it being a fucking withholding prick. And occasionally he would ask about her arm and she would lie. So, I mean, the dynamic here, it's just, it's not a healthy relationship. And she notices that Alice isn't at school either. And so she asks Edward and he says, oh, she's with Jasper. And he says that while he's slowly pulverizing a granola bar between his fingertips. So why is he pretending to eat a granola bar? I know you're not eating it, mate. So he's just sitting in the cafeteria making a mess with a granola bar. Because granola bars, they flake. They're crummy. They make a mess. So he's just sitting at his cafeteria table making a mess, throwing granola everywhere. Even though he's not going to eat. Like at this point, you don't eat. So just don't eat. Just don't even bother pretending to eat. Oh God. These fucking vampires. So he says that Jasper's gone away for a while and Alice has gone with him. And she says, where? And he says, nowhere in particular. Like, okay, you can answer the question, mate. But then she feels super guilty. Her shoulders slump because she feels like she's run them out of their home. Just like Rosalie and Emmett. (laughs) Well, Rosalie and Emmett just went on holiday in Africa. You didn't actually run them out of home. Do you want to know how I know that? Because you saw them last night. And also they have a shelf life living in Forks pretending to be young teens. They're going to leave eventually. That's not on you. I said this last week, but Bella's taking too much on board. She needs to learn to stop taking responsibility for everything that happens. And he just cold shoulders her all day. She says, by the end of the day, the silence was becoming ridiculous. I didn't want to be the one to break it, but apparently that was my only choice if I ever wanted him to talk to me again. Yeah, doesn't he sound lovely? Dreamboat Edward Cullen that everyone froths over. This is how he's treating her. Like I'm seeing now why I was team Jacob when I first read these books when I was a teenager, because Edward's a fucking prick. And so she's like, come over after I've got work. And he's like, oh, okay, if you want. And she's like, yeah, I'll always want you to. And then he says, okay, then indifferently. This is not a good start to the chapter. I mean, I'm already sort of feeling pretty despondent about their relationship. Like I'm all for them to break up. I just think he does it the totally wrong way. Like all his, oh, I'm doing this to protect you kind of rhetoric just really sits so wrong with me because it's like you're causing more damage by trying to not cause damage. And how do you not see that? But she's picking up on the tension because she's saying that she's hyperventilating in the car on her way to work and she's just panicking and she's trying to reason with herself that he needs time, he'll get over it. Maybe he's sad because half of his family just disappeared. And Bella narrates, but Alice and Jasper would come back soon. And Rosalie and Emmett too. Did she forget that she saw them last night? Rosalie and Emmett came back from Africa and she saw them last night. Why is she, why is she thinking they're not here? What am I missing? And then she's thinking like, all right, well, I'll just stay away from them. I'll stay away from their house, but I'll still see Alice at school. And obviously I would run into Carlisle with regularity in the emergency room. Like, (laughs) she thinks she's so funny with how clumsy she is. (laughs) Of course I'll run into Carlisle, dash, in the emergency room. Oh God, thank you everyone. I'll be here till next Thursday, try the veal. And she thinks about last night. She's like, well, nothing really had happened. So I fell down, you know, that's the story of my life. And compared to last spring, when James almost killed me, this is nothing. 
And yes, that's a fantastic point. Why is Edward so sensitive about last night's incident when James almost killed her? Like he bit her, she had venom coursing through her and he stuck with her then. So why now after she gets a paper cut at a birthday party, is he being so precious? And so she starts reasoning with herself that maybe he and her can go away after school and not hang out with his family that way. She's really grasping at straws here. I don't think that was ever going to happen, but she's convincing herself. So after work, she goes home. Edward's car is on her street and she gets really relieved. And Charlie and Edward are watching ESPN. And so Bella says, hi. And Charlie says, hey, Bella, we just had cold pizza. It's on the table. And she says, okay. And like, I'm like, Edward, are you going to say hi? And then finally, Edward looks at her and says, I'll be right behind you. And she's shocked by this. But she takes a moment and then she goes to the kitchen. And I'm thinking, Charlie just said, we just had cold pizza. So did, did Edward eat the pizza? Did he pretend to eat the pizza? Because I know he can eat it. Didn't he say in Twilight that like, yeah, we can eat it. It just tastes like dirt or something like that. Surely out of, out of social norms, he, he had a slice of pizza. I'm very intrigued by that. Very intrigued. And like, if he wanted to avoid eating pizza with his father-in-law, maybe don't come early to the house to see Bella when you know she's not there yet. Like, I I, I don't know, guys. Something's up with Edward. And the fact that he left her in the kitchen while she's finishing off the cold pizza and he's still watching TV is super weird. But also, Bella, you could heat up the pizza and take it into the living room and watch ESPN with them. Why is she sitting in the kitchen? She's sitting in the kitchen in the chair with her knees up and her arms wrapped around herself, eating the pizza, thinking something's wrong. Also, why are they eating cold pizza? Heat the fucker up. Heat it up. You've got a microwave. And in her head, she's still thinking about how her and Edward are going to run away together. And she's like, oh, I won't see Charlie in so long. And I guess I won't see Renee either for a while. That's going to be tough, but at least I'll be with Edward. And I'm thinking, why are we wasting precious, precious words, precious trees that this book is printed with talking about shit that's never going to happen? Like it's paragraphs and paragraphs of her reasoning with herself about a scenario that's never going to come to fruition. But okay, I'm going to skip over it. For the sake of brevity, I'd rather talk about Mike Newton's OnlyFans for six minutes than, than talk about her going on and on in her head about what's going to happen with Charlie missing her while she's run off with Edward. It's not going to happen. But she's looking at the camera and the scrapbook on the table because these are tokens of her parents' love or whatever. And she's looking at the scrapbook and she flips the front cover over and she says, little metal corners were already in place to hold the first picture. Okay. So confirmation, Renee sent her an empty scrapbook. An empty scrapbook. What would that have cost? Eight bucks 50? You could have gotten Mike Newton's OnlyFans for that much. An empty scrapbook for a birthday present. It's just, it's not on. It's not on. It's not okay. But she's thinking, hmm, maybe it's not a bad idea to start filling out the scrapbook with some memories, you know, that she can take with her when she runs off with Edward, which is never going to happen. So she takes the camera and she starts taking photos of like her bedroom, like just, just of her bedroom. Not with her in her bedroom, just, just of her bedroom. And she thinks that she's going to record everything about Forks before she has to leave it. Because now she loves Forks. She hated the place, but now she loves it. So then she goes downstairs and takes a photo of Charlie and Edward watching the TV. Also, Edward, why are you watching the fucking TV? You're not interested. 
Go hang out with your girlfriend who you're about to dump. He's just sitting on the couch with Charlie. What a weird vibe. And Charlie's complaining because he doesn't like getting his photo taken or whatever. And he's like, what are you doing, Bells? And she says, oh, come on. You know, mum will be calling soon to ask if I'm using my presence. I have to get to work before she can get her feelings hurt. And I'm like, get her feelings hurt? She didn't buy the camera. Charlie bought the camera. She just bought the fucking empty scrapbook for, for less than Mike Newton's OnlyFans. I mean, maybe she paid more for the postage. Maybe that's what it is because that's a four buck fifty scrapbook from Target. That's a dollar store scrapbook if I've ever imagined one. I haven't actually seen it because I'm reading a book and I'm using my, my brain to imagine things, but I'm imagining it to be shitty. <laughs> but she's given her mum credit for the camera. It's just, it's galling is what it is. So then she gets Edward to take a photo of her and Charlie. And then Charlie takes a photo of her and Edward. And they have to remind Bella to smile for the photo. Because I guess she's just already such a sad sack. She's just such a weird person. She doesn't know how to smile for a photo for her own scrapbook. Like, this is your idea. And then Charlie takes a photo of him. And he must be just so sick of the shenanigans. So he says, enough pictures for tonight. And he shoves the camera into a crevice of the sofa cushions and he says, you don't have to use the whole roll now. And record scratch roll. He bought her a camera that takes film. I know it's an old book. It's, it's 2006, I believe, but I'm pretty sure they had digital cameras back then. So your daughter turns 18. Renee has this brilliant idea. Oh, let's buy her a camera. I'm sure Renee meant digital. Although she gave her a physical scrapbook, so maybe Renee didn't think digital, but at least like a cute, quirky Polaroid camera or something. But no, he bought her like a Kodak disposable camera. He's the worst parent. He's the worst. These are the worst birthday gifts. A camera that takes film. Like, hey, here's an obsolete gift you won't be able to use five years from now. Hey, do you want an antique? Here's an antique in the making. No wonder she wants to run away with Edward and leave Forks behind because her family sucks. And then they all sit down and start watching ESPN. And it just seems like the most boring night ever. And then when the show ends, don't know what show it was, Edward gets up and he says, I better go home. So you didn't even hang out with your girlfriend. Why were you over at your girlfriend's? And Charlie doesn't look up from the commercial and just says, see ya. (laughs) Charlie is still not into the Edward of it all. And so Bella walks Edward out. And she says, will you stay? And he says, not tonight. And she doesn't ask for a reason. And he gets in his car and drives away. And she stood there unmoving, barely noticing that it was raining. And then Charlie opens the door and he's like, Bella, what the fuck are you doing outside when the rain? Come on. What, what the hell? You're standing there alone and dripping. Come inside. So Edward's just being so casually cruel, as Taylor Swift would say. And guys, let's just take a quick sidebar to discuss Taylor Swift. That fearless re-recording oh isn't it good isn't it good and that mr perfectly fine song that she wrote ages ago after she broke up with joe jonas but she's releasing it now and there's that lyric casually cruel like she's she's talking about joe jonas but she could have also written it about edward cullen i'd believe it i'd believe it if she said hey uh that song i actually wrote it about edward cullen i'd say yes yes you did and i'd say take all my money i'm gonna buy an album God, I love T-Swift. So the next morning, she starts taking photos of everything. She takes a photo of her truck and then the front of the house and then a few of the forest by Charlie's house. Like, what boring photos. 
snap a selfie, sweetie. And Edward's still giving her the silent treatment. And she can't concentrate all day on anything else. Even in class talking about Romeo and Juliet, she's in another world and she doesn't realize the teacher's talking to her and he has to ask her the question twice. And like, you know, Bella loves English. So she's really affected by Edward's cold demeanor. And I mean, she's used to him being cold physically, but now he's being cold emotionally, which she should also actually be used to now that I think of it. Because remember how he ignored her for months last year, but yeah, he's not a good person. He's not a good person, but she's, she's re-experiencing it all again. And she says, at lunch, the silence continued. I felt like I was going to start screaming at any moment. So to distract myself, I leaned across the table and spoke to Jessica. Now, how desperate do you have to be to speak to Jessica? She must have been really going through some struggles to lower herself to speak with Jessica at lunch. And Jessica must be thinking, "Uh uh-oh, mayday, something's wrong with Bella, she's speaking to me. So they take a bunch of photos and then Jessica says, "Uh uh-oh, I think we used all your film. So that just reiterates to me that he bought her a camera that takes film. Like, I don't even know, what do you call that? A film camera? What's a non-digital camera? Uh, Nothing I want to be associated with. And then Edward walks her to the parking lot again in silence. And she's starting to get really shitty with him. And she's like, well, I'm glad I'm going to work because maybe he needs time away from me and time alone would help things get better. Mm, it won't. So then she drops her film off at the thrift way on her way to work. <laughs> like she had to drop the film off. This is just, this is just too much. And then after work, she picks up the developed pictures. <laughs> and then she gets home that night and she's sitting on a bed and she opens up the pictures. And she pulls out the first photo and she gasps because Edward looks just as beautiful in the photo as he did in real life. And then in the photo of her and Edward, he looks amazing and she looks like shit. (laughs) She says, the contrast between the two of us was painful. He looked like a God. I looked very average, even for a human, almost shamefully plain. And we've all sort of been there, haven't we? Like how many times have you taken a photo with a friend on your friend's phone and your friend's like, oh, I like this one. And then they post it and you look like shit. And you're like, well, yeah, of course you picked that one because you look the best in that one. Even though we took like 30 pics, that's the one you settled on. I'm guessing that's what life with Edward would be. It would be constantly the photo getting picked where you look like shit and he looks good. And I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could live with that. That's pretty hard. Sure. Every month you go into the woods and you kill a deer and you drink its blood. Yes, your brother attacked me when I got a paper cut. All of those things I could live with, but constantly looking better than me in photos. Mm, I don't know. That could be the deal breaker. And poor Bella. She like is disgusted by her own image. And we've all been there before. But babe, let me tell you, not only a digital camera is coming, iPhones are coming and with it, Facetune. Bella, you would love Facetune. Oh, you'd be all up in it. Filters, Instagram filters, Snapchat filters. I think Bella would thrive with an iPhone. And I just think she's going through that really tough analog camera moment that we all went through. And it's been really hard to relive reading this book. That's the hardest part of this chapter, that's for sure. So then she starts putting all her pictures into the album and she's writing captions underneath the pictures with the names and the dates which just seems so excessive. And like, what are the captions going to be? My truck, Fox, Washington, 2006. Like, mm, I think you could remember that. Not sure if, if a caption's really necessary for your truck. And then the poor bitch, she gets the photo of her and Edward and she folds it in half 
and sticks it into the photo album Edward's side up. So the so her side is face down. And that's their first photo together as well. How did they have a whole summer, a whole spring or whatever, and, and didn't get a pic together? No snaps, no happy snaps at all. And then she realizes that she was staying up late to see if Edward would come over, but he didn't. And she doesn't sleep well because of it. Uh, I mean, at this point, she knows something's up. She should just front foot it and say, hey, what the fuck, dude? You're really cold shouldering me and I'm not liking your moodiness. You're playing hot and cold and it's not fair. It's not good. But she just rolls with it and she rocks up the next day for another day of silent treatment at school. Like, oh, how is she? How is she doing this? And she says he was no different unless maybe more remote. Like at this point, Bella, you hit him and you say, snap out of it. <laughs> Wait, let me do a proper share impression. Snap out of it. Oh, <laughs> that's what you do, Bella. You get your inner share out and you say, snap out of it. But no, she just rolls with it because she's just like the battered girlfriend. See, the problem with this relationship is it's unequal in that he's a supernatural being and she's always going to feel inferior. So she doesn't have the confidence to stand up to him when he's being a prick because, because it's not an equal playing field. And she feels that that's coming from her and her own insecurities, but she feels like she's punching. And because of that, she's not going to stand up to his bad behavior. It's doomed. Their relationship is doomed. I know he's about to break up with her, but I also know, having read the fucking series, that they get back together, but they're doomed. I don't know why she's going through all these motions. And this is why you shouldn't punch up. (laughs) Never date someone more attractive than you. Although my boyfriend's hotter than me. I will admit that. But after her third day of the silent treatment, she's like, we need to talk about this. And so she does, she does get up a bit of courage as in thinking that she's going to confront him. But he says to her, hey, do you mind if I come over today? And so she's just like, oh yeah, cool. And so she doesn't actually confront him, but she doesn't like the urgency in his tone. So she meets him back at her place and she notices that he parked his car in Charlie's spot in front of the house, which was a bad sign because that meant he didn't plan to stay. So she's good at picking up these little cues and things, but... She's not good at speaking a truth. And then he says, come for a walk with me. And she's like, oh, this is bad. This is very bad. But he doesn't wait for an answer. And he just pulls her along into the forest. Okay. What the fuck, Edward? Why are you going for a walk to Dumper in the forest? You could have done it in her bedroom. Because we all know she's not going to take it well. As we'll experience in the next few pages. So why was this your idea to go into the forest? Fucking dumb. And it just shows that Edward's a piece of shit. But then he gets into the forest with her and they stop just barely on the trail. She says she could still see her house. And she says some walk. So, okay, he didn't abandon her in the forest. I don't know what I was thinking. And she says, okay, let's talk. And he takes a deep breath, even though he's a vampire and he doesn't breathe. Like, did, why? <sighs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, let's talk. He took a deep breath. Like, what purpose does that breath serve? Either Stephanie's saying he did it for dramatic effect or she forgot that he doesn't breathe or or he's just doing it to be performative to Bella to act like he regrets what he's about to say, taking a deep breath. Bitch, you don't have oxygen in in, in your lungs. Oh, I can't. Oh, all of a sudden he's taking deep breaths. Like that's just ridiculous to me. Ridiculous. We've established he doesn't need to breathe. He doesn't breathe when she's bleeding because, oh, oh, this is so dumb. Oh my God. Oh, I I need to take a deep breath. I need to take a deep breath. Oh, and so does Bella. She takes a deep breath and he says, Bella, we're leaving. And she's like, oh, okay. I sort of figured that. Cool. Where are we going? When are we, when are we going? And he's like, yeah, I mean, we couldn't really stay in Forks really like much longer. Carlisle can barely pass for 30 and he's claiming to be 33 which let me tell you is a sentence that makes me feel old. And he's like, we'd have to start over soon regardless. And she's confused. And she's like, but we're leaving. So the family can stay. She, she's confused by that. And then she's finally clicked. She says, when you say we, and he goes, yeah, I mean my family and myself, which I mean, I don't know why he's doing it like this. Surely he knew she'd crumble, but he's not exactly ripping the bandaid. Three days of silent treatment and then confusing statements in a forest. Like, why did he think this was the best approach? And then he's like, well, where we're going, it's not right for you. I'm no good for you. And she's like, no, you're the best part of my life. And he says, my world is not for you. And she's like, oh, what happened with Jasper? That was nothing. And uh, okay, it, it wasn't. He did try to kill you, but sure. I can understand you wanting to brush over it, but he, he did try and drink your blood and kill you. And she's like, you promised in Phoenix, you promised that you would stay. And he says, ah, but I said, as long as it was best for you. And I'm like, okay, now is not the time to be like a loophole. Remember when I said that specific clause in that conversation, my little get out of jail free card here. Like you don't need to bring up that. She's like, oh, is this about my soul? And she's like, you can have my soul. I don't want it. It's yours. And she's getting pretty desperate. And so then he says, Bella, I don't want you to come with me. And so then she's like, what? And she says, you don't want me? And he says, no. And, and the next line is, I stared uncomprehending into his eyes. And I mean, it's pretty hard to misinterpret that. She said, you don't want me? And he said, no. <laughs> pretty plain and simple, but she's uncomprehending. Then finally she says, well, that changes things. And she's starting to feel really numb. And get used to that feeling because that's going to continue for the rest of the fucking book. And so then Edward, the worst break upper ever, he looks into the forest and he says, of course, I'll always love you, dot, 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 in a way. But what happened the other night made me realize that it's time for a change because 
I'm tired of pretending to be something I'm not, Bella. I am not human. I've let this go on much too long and I'm sorry for that. And yet, Edward, it is your fault. Like, she didn't love you when you thought she smelt in biology class. You could have just left her then and she would have been like, hey, who was that weird attractive weirdo in my biology class that one time? That was, that was quite a moment, but oh well, I'll get over it. Like, you, you dated her. This is on you, bud. And she's like, don't, don't do this. And she says, he just stared at me. And I could see from his eyes that my words were far too late. So she's already known that, you know, this is the breaking point. She's not going to change his mind. And then he goes and he twists the fucking knife and he says, you're not good for me, Bella. (laughs) That wasn't necessary, Edward. You didn't need to go in that hard. You got the point across already. And then she doesn't know what to say. She's, you know, opening her mouth and closing her mouth again. Like she's having a conversation with a grand in the mirror. And then finally she says, if that's what you want. And then he nods and her whole body goes numb. Even though I thought she told us earlier that she was already numb, but now she's numb again. Then he says, but I want to ask you a favor. Don't do anything reckless or stupid. Do you understand what I'm saying? And like, yeah, we just had a conversation about Romeo and Juliet. I think we all sort of get what you're getting at here. And so she promises. And then he says, and I'll make you a promise in return. I promise that this will be the last time you'll see me. I won't come back. I won't put you through anything like this again. You can go on with your life without any more interference from me. It will be as if I'd never existed. Which again, you know what? A simple, it's not you, it's me would have done. It would have sufficed. You don't have to go to all these lengths in a breakup. Just be like, I'm not ready for the commitment. We both want different things. Like you could have lied and said all that bullshit. You don't have to remove yourself from existence. Like Jesus. So then he says, that's everything, I suppose. We won't bother you again. Oh no, but before that, he does say, time heals all wounds for your kind because humans don't have great memories, which I just think is a bit patronizing. And then he says, oh, I won't forget. My kind though, we're very easily distracted. Like, what the fuck does that mean? That you're going to date someone else? Like, that's what I'd be thinking if I was Bella. I don't know why he thinks this is a good move for his breakup to just be spitting honesty. But she's shocked by him saying, we won't bother you again instead of I won't bother you again. And then Bella's like, Alice isn't coming back. And like, yeah, no fucking shit, mate. Did you think Edward would dump you, move across the country never see you again, but his sister would just hang around and chill out with you. Like in what world? And she's like, Alice is gone. And he says, yeah, they're all gone. She wanted to say goodbye, but I convinced her that a clean break would be better for you. Again, the patronizing little shit. Who are you to decide what's better for her? Also, Alice, have some fucking spunk of your own and disobey your adopted brother and go say goodbye to your human friend. Like, Uh, Unless she, unless she had a vision which told her it would be a bad idea. So then he says, goodbye, Bella. And then he kisses her on the forehead. And then he says, take care of yourself. And when she opens her eyes, don't know why she shut them. But when she opens her eyes, he's gone. And so then she tells us that she follows him into the forest. The evidence of his path had disappeared instantly. There's no footprints or anything. So why does she know that he's gone into the forest? Why would she assume that when he had just parked outside of her house? He parked outside of her house and she's like, he must have gone into the forest. Like, excuse me. Edward's fast. He could have run to the car, fucked off 
and that would have been it, right? But no, she's assumed that he's gone into the forest. So maybe she's assuming wrong because you know what they say about assuming or he's actually gone into the forest for some reason to throw throw her off his scent when really she's not a tracker. She's a fucking human. Also, why would you do that? You'd know she'd follow you. So now she's getting lost in the forest. And whose fault's that? I mean, primarily Bella's. But also, Edward, why'd you take her for a walk in the fucking forest? You could have done this in the bedroom. You could have done it in the car. You could have done it at high school. <sighs> and she's full lost. She tells us she walks and she walks. If I stopped looking for him, it was over. Time made no sense. And it's growing darker and darker. And she stumbles and she falls often. <laughs> she falls often. <laughs> And so then she trips over something that catches her foot and she just decides to stay down. And so she just lies in the forest and it's, it's pitch black. And she wonders why it's pitch black because there's no moon. And then she's like, ah, a lunar eclipse, a new moon. (laughs) Okay. There's the title of the book. Like who gives a shit? And then she can hear people calling her name and then she falls asleep and then the rain wakes her up and she's just, she's numb. Remember? So she's not really feeling anything. And then she hears them calling her name again. She doesn't bother to shout out and say, I'm over here. She's just full catatonic shut down. At one point she does hear an animal sound. It sounded big and it was like snuffling. So my assumption is that might've been a werewolf. Cause then a bit later, a human finds her. So the guy who finds her says that he's Sam Uli and that Charlie sent him to look for her. And she's like, Charlie. And she goes, that struck a chord. And Yeah. Oh, you remembered your dad's name. Great. And I'm thinking, so there's a search party out to find Bella. How long she been out there? Because Charlie could probably go a whole, a whole week without noticing Bella wasn't home. Although she cooks for him. Actually, Charlie doesn't pay her much attention when the sport game is on. (laughs) The sport game, Uh, the match, let's say the match. Charlie doesn't pay much attention when a match of a sport game (laughs) is on. And barely looks up from the TV. But if he was expecting dinner, I can imagine him being like, where's my girl with my dinner? <laughs> so maybe he, he got home and he's like, oh, Bella's not here, a truck's here, but she's not here. That's weird. And so maybe he did notice when he got hungry and sent out a search party. Or it's a week later, TBD. Anyway, he scoops her up and carries her out of the forest. I mean, why she didn't circle back and check the car? I, and why did she think she could catch him? She knows he runs fast. <laughs> So he gets back to the crowd and he's like, I've got her. And he says, I don't think she's hurt. She just keeps saying he's gone. And she's like, huh, was I saying that out loud? And then Charlie's like, Bella, you're all right. And she's like, Charlie. (laughs) And he says, I'm right here, baby. When really you can tell he's probably thinking in his head, I got to watch the Knicks. Can we just get you to bed because it's tip off? I'd already missed the last game. I only caught one quarter of, of the Chicago Bulls. So can we, can we wrap this search party up? So they get her inside. They put some blankets on her because she's all wet because she was lying in the rain. And then there's a doctor who like checks her and he says, are you hurt, Bella? And then she remembers that Sam in the woods said to her, have you been hurt? And she acknowledges the difference in the syntax. (laughs) So the doctor's just like, did you get lost in the woods? And she's like, uh, yeah, I got lost. And so then she notices that there's three tall men with dark faces and they're from the La Push Reservation. And she says Indian reservation, which I mean, I don't know why she's saying that. That's, that's uncomfortable, but she says, and also why does she have to describe their faces as dark? Uh, I don't know. I'm uncomfortable with that. But 
Sam Uli is one of the guys from La Push. So maybe he's the werewolf that found her. And then he turned into human form to scoop her up. That's my working theory. So she's like, yeah, I'm just tired and I got lost. And so the doctor's like, yeah, doesn't seem to be anything wrong with her. Didn't do any tests, just asked her two questions. And he's like, that's my job done. And he just wipes his hands and he gets out. So then Charlie says to the doctor, is it true? Did they leave? And he goes, yeah, Dr. Cullen asked us not to say anything, but they left. And Charlie's pissed. He's like, a little warning might've been nice. And yes, Edward probably should have given Charlie the heads up. So then everyone leaves and Charlie's just pottering around the house, taking phone calls. And then someone else calls and he's pretty angry. And he's like, you're sure it's outside the reservation, but what could be burning out there? And she's listening in. She's like, hmm, I'm devastated and numb, but I'm still going to eavesdrop on my father's phone conversations. So then he hangs up with that guy and then Charlie calls up Billy and he says, oh, hey, Billy. Yeah, nah, she's fine. Um, She's sleeping. Thanks for asking. But what's going on up there? Mrs. Stanley can see fire. And then he gets angry and he's like, they're doing that, are they? Uh. And then he says to Billy, thanks for sending Sam and the other boys up. They do know the forest better than we do. And it was Sam who found her. So yeah, Sam's a werewolf. We, we figured that out already. So then he hangs up and then Bella's like, what's wrong? Is something burning? And he says, oh, just some bonfires on the cliffs. And she's like, what's that about? Charlie's just like answering all her questions. And I'm like, shouldn't you be asking her questions, Charlie? But anyway, so Charlie's like, yeah, they're celebrating up there because the Cullens left, which again, lie to the girl. You don't have to tell her that. You don't have to tell her that at all. But he tells her they're celebrating the news, which is a great opportunity for Bella to narrate a couple of paragraphs of backstory about the LaPush tribe and how they hate vampires. <sighs> like, yeah, okay, thanks. And so then Charlie's like, so we left you alone in the woods, huh? And she deflects the question and says, how did you know where to find me? And he says, oh, your note. And then he whips out this little note that says, going for a walk with Edward up the path, back soon, B. And he says, when you didn't come back, I called the Cullens, no one answered, called the hospital, Carla was gone, blah, blah, blah. And so we're meant to get from that, that Edward wrote a note so that she would be found in the forest when, okay, you could have just not left her in the forest in the first instance. Worst breakup. If anyone listening to this or reading New Moon ever needs to break up with someone, this is how not to do it. So then Charlie says to her, yeah, Carlisle took a job with the hospital in Los Angeles. And she thinks sunny LA, the last place they would really go. Even though Rosalie and Emmett just went to sunny Africa. So the sun clearly doesn't stop them. (laughs) But no, it's the last place they would ever really go. And so then Charlie is not going to drop it. He says, I want to know if Edward left you alone out there in the middle of the woods. I'm like, good, Charlie, don't let this go. But then I know Edward's going to come back and get back together with Bella and going to eventually marry the bitch. I would be like, ah, remember that time you left her in the middle of the woods, Edward? No, you can't marry my daughter. Like, I know fathers shouldn't have a say over who their daughter dates. But if I was Charlie, I'd be like, hey, fuck off, mate. Not after what you did. Get out of my house. But Bella's sort of twigged that Edward must have come into the house to write the note. And then she's worried about what else he might've done when he was, you know, breaking and entering. So she rushes to her bedroom and she looks at the CD player and he's taken the CD of his lullabies out. And then she looks at the album, you know, the scrapbook, and he took the photos of himself out. She says, the page was blank except for my own handwriting scrawled across the bottom. 
Edward Cullen, Charlie's Kitchen, September 13th. And so then she knew that he would have taken every trace of him out of her bedroom. But then I'm also thinking, she she wrote Edward Cullen, Charlie's Kitchen, September 13th, but didn't add the year. Like, what's the point of a date without a year? Like, if you're going to go into that detail to say Charlie's Kitchen, surely you just commit and put in all the detail. But no, nope, she just said September 13th. Anyway, so that real kick in the guts, because Edward's a prick, uh, leaves her collapsing onto the floor with waves of pain, lapping over her head, pulling her under, and she says, I did not resurface. And then it goes October, new page, November, new page, December, new page, January. And that's the end of the chapter, which is just very dramatic. I remember when I first read this, I was like, wow, a page with a month on it. I thought it was just like the greatest innovation in literature. But now I'm like, how fucking hokey. (laughs) That is hokey pokey, hobby lobby. It's just the passage of time. She's depressed for four months, so we don't have to witness her having Christmas depressed or New Year's depressed. But yeah, I thought it was a wonderful narrative technique at the time. And now I'm like, oh, how embarrassing. (laughs) How embarrassing. And you know, when Stephanie did it, she was like, oh, I'm killing it. So yeah, what a depressing chapter. Why did he have to remove all photographs of himself, by the way? That is so not kind. And like, yes, all of us have wanted to remove photos of ourselves from the internet or from other people's phones or other people's photos of us. That's not something you can do. You've just got to live with it. I mean, sometimes on Facebook, if there's a photo I don't like, I will report it and say I'm in this photo and I feel uncomfortable. But Facebook never takes it down because Facebook doesn't care. Mark Zuckerberg does not care about you or your life or your insecurities. But no, he's just removed every photo of himself, which is just such a fucking kick in the teeth. It'll be like I've never existed. Mate, she has memories. Like I know you said humans forget things easily, but that's like when she's 80 years old, not when she's in the moment currently. She's going to remember this for a good long time. And I think you're being a bit of a prick to steal from her because that's what you've done. They were her photographs and you stole them. But also she had mailed photos to Renee. So I guess the photos still exist. Although I didn't mention this in the recap, but she had printed out extra photos to send to Renee. But when she went to post them, Edward said, oh, I'll do that for you. And he allegedly went to the post box. So maybe he destroyed them. Maybe he destroyed them, which is again, horrible. Totally not a good thing to do. Or Renee got them and she can just get the photos off Renee. So no big deal. (laughs) Who knows? Anyway, I've spoken enough. This has been a long one. So see ya. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. The hit television show Glee was a lot of things. Career catapult? Sure. Were the additions to the American Songbook? Debatable. Important social commentary that changed primetime TV? Definitely. Did they always get it right? Absolutely not. This is Glee on the Rocks, a podcast where a group of former Gleeks... I am Emily. I'm Mandy. 
I'm Mav. And I'm B. Turned disillusioned critics. We have to talk about the travesty that is extraordinary Merry Christmas. Walking on water in a white suit? What the fuck kind of Jesus is this? Break down their grievances episode by episode in search of the elusive perfect score on the Kevin McScale. Join us in drinking to forget what you miss on Glee. Subscribe to Glee on the Rocks wherever you get your podcasts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.